Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. This episode of Doing Time contains audio images of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have died. First up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Kieran, who is going to tell us what land he's from, and he's from the, the President of the Black People's Union. We're going to be speaking with Kieran in quite a lot of detail about the voice to Parliament. I have interviewed Kieran before, but I think it's really important to be able to interview uh, First Nations activists rather than just interviewing CEOs and people who are in privileged positions. And whilst it is fantastic that First Nations people are doing well and, and uh, you know, activists also do well and we do need to interview, um, you know, people from all walks of life. Um, yes, yeah, so we're going to be speaking with Kieran about First Nations rights, looking at treaty we really do need to go a step further with this topic rather than just looking at the voice. There are a lot of um, clans that do not agree with this and we need to look at that. And then after that, uh, I'm hoping we could speak with Jill Gallagher, who is a fantastic um, First Nations warrior from Western Victoria who's worked within, led and advocated for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community all her life. And she's a highly respected leader who has dedicated her life to advocating for self-determination outcomes on behalf of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. And I'm hoping to speak with Jill, and I've had a lot of trouble um, getting onto her, about a challenge that was dismissed in the federal court about not recognising age pension the age pension for Aboriginal people. The fact is that there's been age pension discrimination towards Uncle Dennis Wacker, despite Australian government's failure to close life expectancy gap. Um, there's been a, a, a lot of uh, unfair access and inequalities towards the age pension for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So hopefully I'll be speaking with her. These are two very special extended interviews. And we're going to be speaking with Kieran now. Oh, yeah. 
The Chilean community, in partnership with the AMWU's International Solidarity Initiative, is holding a commemorative event for the 50th anniversary of Chile's coup, September 11, the day that changed us forever. Join generations of Chilean refugees, exiles and recent arrivals together with Australian unionists and activists in the Solidarity Movement for a night of testimonies, speakers, poetry and music on Monday, September 11 from 6pm at Solidarity Hall at the Victorian Trades Hall. This event will be held in English and all are welcome. To register, search for Chile 50 Years on eventbrite.com.au. Chile, 50 years of solidarity and struggle. A 3CR supporter. And we're back with the Doing Time show. And just if, in case you've just tuned in, this is 3CR Community Radio. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the program. Hey, well, Awani. Marissa, how are you going? Absolutely. Look, okay. <laughs> I've just come back to the show after a couple of weeks' break. Um, so, yeah, I'm raring to go. No. So, yeah, yes, so, Karen, can you just give us a little bit of introduction about what, you know, the, the activist stuff that you do and also talk about what land you're from? Yep. Um, so, I'm a TO from Wanewandian country up in the UN Nation. It's on the south coast of New South Wales, about a three hour drive or so south of Sydney. Um, I've been involved in a whole bunch of activism over the last sort of 15-ish odd years. Um, you know, been in the High Court a couple of times uh, with some of my extended family over some land rights issues. Um, I've worked around like policy development in corrective services, um, you know, trying to make things a bit better in there for mob. Um, I've, you know, worked around water quality and providing safe drinking water to communities that have had their drinking water impacted by the government or by, you know, big mining corporations. Um, yeah, done a bit of stuff around unions and, um, you know, industrial disputes. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff, really. Fantastic. And, Kieran, I hope you don't mind that I've invited you back on. I mean, I've invited you for the Stolen Wages special program. But the reason why I've invited you back is because... You're, you know, you do quite a lot of activism and I think that there's been a, a lot of really bad radio and a lot of bad press in regards to the voice to parliament and every time I hear it, I just cringe. And I really yeah. wanted you to come back because, you know, I, I just feel that the, the, the Black People's Union does need to be represented and you've talked a lot about why you know, that it, you, you want to do a, a no for the voice to parliament. But I suppose I'd really like to talk to you in a little bit more detail now about treaty and about yep. what it is that, that the Black People's Union um, represents and what, what you want, the work that you want to do. But before we do that, in, as a lead-up to that, because I, I'm sure there are new listeners that have just tuned in, can you talk about the Black People's Union briefly and, and their position, its position on... Um, on what's happened with, with the voice and, and, and some of the, the issues. Yeah, no worries. So um, the Black People's Union, we're a revolutionary organisation. Um, we're only just over a year old now. Um, had our first year anniversary last month, um, but we've only been public since January this year. Um, what we are, we're an organisation um, working towards the complete liberation um, from our colonial capitalist government. You know, we want the complete liberation 
of blackfellas in our country, but not just blackfellas, the entire working class as well, whether they're Indigenous or non-Indigenous. Um, so, yeah, what we're really working for is the complete overthrow of capitalism and the liberation from the exploitation and oppression that comes with that and to abolish this colonial government we have and replace it with a government that actually works for the people and that serves the people and that's First Nations-led so that we can address that primary contradiction here, which is colonisation. And how did it come about? How was it formed? Yeah, so um, I suppose... How we first started is we noticed that there was a bit of a gap in the trade union um, industry, like, you know, in amongst trade unions um, in regards to First Nations people who are working in specific sort of fields um, around culture and around our identity. Um, you know, a lot of blackfellas who work, for example, um, you know, doing stuff like Welcome to Countries and, you know, doing cultural tours, um, you know, performing gigs at various different events. You know, they don't have an actual union in place to represent them. And, you know, people who go into schools and stuff and teach culture and all that sort of stuff as well, there's no actual union that centres around them. But not only that, we noticed that within the union movement itself, um, where there is unions already covering industries, they're not all industries, obviously, and not all unions. Some are better than others. But, um, you know, there was still a bit of a lack as well in being able to properly address some of the issues that First Nations people face that are unique to us, um, you know, like such as the whole, you know, racism that we face within the workplace and, you know, that anti-Indigenous sentiment we face within, we face within the workplace. You know, a lot of um, unions can't properly capture and address this as they currently operate. So, you know, we came in to try and plug that gap a bit. Um, since then, though, we've, you know, grown to a position now where we're not just a union, we're also somewhat of a political organisation. We're trying to fill all of these gaps in society that we see, not just within our employment, but in all fields of society, whether it's, you know, housing, um, employment, education, um, health, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. Um, I suppose ultimately the best way to explain it is, you know, we're just an organisation that's trying to do what we can for black followers wherever we see that there's, um, you know, a, a lack there. Absolutely, and and so when all this started happening with the with the referendum, how did the Black People's Union get its position happening? Yeah, so um, our membership is like a lot of our core members and our core organisers and our founding members. Um, you know, we've been very present on the scene for years, if not decades. Um, you know, involved in a lot of our land rights movements and a lot of our deaths in custody movements and, you know, other similar movements um, out there. So we already had quite a fundamental understanding of the history of this constitutional recognition, um, you know, which goes right back to the Howard-era government. And this is something that a lot of people don't understand as well about this whole voice proposition, is that it was actually an idea that John Howard's cabinet came up with, and it was first put into play by Tony Abbott. You know, people forget that... LNP were in power back in 2016, 2017, when stuff like the Referendum Council was set up and when those regional dialogues were held and the Yulara Convention were held. You know, this wasn't a Labor initiative. This began as a Liberal initiative. And the whole reason it began is they wanted to further undermine our sovereignty. So when I say sovereignty, what I'm specifically talking about is our right of self-determination and our right to manage our own land. 
Now, this voice seeks to undermine that server. It's not necessarily that it seeks to cede our sovereignty per se. Um, it's more that it seeks to cede our sovereignty f- through technicality by denying and undermining and preventing us being able to exercise our sovereignty. And by exercising our sovereignty, that's us actually, you know, exercising our self-determination and exercising management over our land. Wow, that that's just... But then... Yeah, and even, even yeah. today, yeah, all this evidence is still there today as well. Like, um, we hear quite a lot that, you know, the no side, for example, is funded by big mining interests, but that's not the case. We've got actual mining executives from BHP, from Woodside Petroleum, and others who are aligned with the mining industry, such as Energy Australia. You know, we've got their actual executives sitting on either the referendum council or the board of the Yes 23 campaign. And you go and look at the donors for the Yes 23 campaign, you see people like BHP giving $2 million, Rio Tinto giving $2 million, you know, West Farmers who have got massive agribusiness interests. Again, you know, they went and donated $2 million. Um, all up, there's been something like 25 to 27 million donated from different farming, um, mining and logging businesses towards the F23 campaign. And even, you know, the other stuff on there, aside from those mining execs, um, we see people like Mark Texter. Um, now, for those who don't know who Mark Texter is, he was trained by Reagan um, over in America. And what he is, he's a conservative strategist. He's actually the person who worked on John Howard and Tony Abbott's election campaigns and helped them get elected in the first place. And now he's sitting on this Yes 23 board. Um, there's also people like Tony Nutt, who was John Howard's very own chief of staff, um, and even Amanda Vanstone, who was a senator and minister under John Howard, and who was actually the senator who signed off on the abolishment of APSIC, amongst a whole bunch of other stuff that she done. And, you know, these are the people behind this Yes 23 campaign and these people behind the proposal um, that's going forward. And these people have never had our best interests at heart. These people have never done anything to benefit us or to, you know, help us reach any sort of level of equality in society. Um, they benefit from our exploitation and our oppression, um, especially, you know, these big mining companies. We've got BHP, um, you know, backing this whole Yes proposal and being actively uh, a part of their campaigning and actively funding the campaigning of it. But at the same time, BHP is out there blowing up hundreds of sacred sites so they can, you know, put in $5 billion mining expansions. Now, anybody listening, you know, just use a bit of common sense for a second. Why would people like BHP and Woodside Petroleum, who are always blowing up our sacred sites so they can profit billions of dollars through stealing our natural resources, why would they support any sort of proposal or campaign that could potentially impact their profits and benefit blackboards? Like, at the end of the day, they simply wouldn't. It would be a bad business choice for them to do that. I know. Like... And all of this stuff, too, that I'm saying, like, this is easily verifiable as well. Anybody with access to Google can go and look at the official websites of the Referendum Council and the Yes 23 campaign and can go through their About section and see for themselves the sort of people who are on there. And you can go look at websites like the Australian Financial Review um, who have run articles on the donations towards the F23 campaign. Like, all the receipts are there. Oh. So, 
Okay, so you're talking about all this, and, and it's so wonderful that you're into all the, all the environmental stuff, which is which is closely linked to um, Aboriginal people protecting country. So, what? Um, how do we move forward from here? Yeah, um, great question. So, you know, we're not just campaigning. No, we are actually, you know, talking about alternatives out there. Um, I suppose one of our major ways that we see that we can move forward and one of the most important next steps that we need to take is we have an idea for treaty with the BPU, um, but our idea for treaty isn't the normal stereotypical idea of treaty that's been around for the last few decades. Um, Instead, we've done a bit of an analysis on treaties, um, on their impacts around the world and, you know, what sort of effects they've had for other First Nations people as well as Australia's own track record on the various different treaties they've entered into with the United Nations and with other nations around the world. And, you know, when you actually go and you look at all of this wealth of knowledge out there that exists around treaties and you look at their impact and you look at the conditions that people are living under today, you come to the conclusion that a treaty with a colonial government isn't worth the paper it's written on. Like, at the end of the day... Every single treaty that was signed between the Māori and the New Zealand colonial government, as well as every treaty signed over in Turtle Island between the First Nations people there and the Canadian government and the United States government, every single one of those treaties, and there's thousands of treaties there, every single one of them, bar none, has been broken. And every time they're broken, it's not the First Nations people breaking it, it's not the First Nations people benefiting from these treaties being violated, it's the colonial government violating it and benefiting from it. And at the end of the day, Australia's own track record with their human rights treaties paints a horrific picture. Like, you go and you look at their violations, and on average they're doing, you know, every, I think it's every two months or so, Australia is being picked up by the UN for violating human rights treaties that they're signatories to. Now, if they're not going to abide by treaties that they've signed with bodies like the UN and with other big nations around the world that have a lot more power, influence and money than what us blackfellas have here in Australia. Why would we think that they would respect a treaty with us? So, um, yeah, so I suppose our position instead is we're not fully against treaty, but we are against a treaty with a colonial government that is only going to give them legitimacy and consent to be here and to occupy our lands and people. Instead, what we push for is a treaty between First Nations people across the continent That way, all of us mobs can come together. We can have a pan-Aboriginal movement. And using that strength, we can actually have a lot better bargaining position and a lot more power and coordination to actually be able to exercise a bit more self-determination and exercise a bit more sovereignty and lay some claim back towards our land, which is something that isn't going to happen um, so long as we're entertaining ideas of entering into 101 different individual treaties on a nation-based level with a government where there's no balance of power for mobs and where they're going to use it much in the same way as they did with the Native Title Act, where they're just going to pit communities against each other and they're going to pit people within communities against each other as a part of their whole divide and conquer tactics. So how how is it then that we can actually implement the recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. Yeah, well, see, and this is another thing, um, you know, when we talk about 
the voice. Um, sorry, I'm just going a bit off yeah, topic a little okay. bit, but it, it ties into what we're talking about. You know, people talk about the recommendations that the voice will give, right? We've got recommendations out there, like the Royal Commission to Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, that's 31 years old now, and the government is still failing to implement them. Now, these recommendations, such as the one from the Royal Commission to Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, or the Bringing Them a Home Report into, you know, our stolen generation, um, these recommendations come from people who are industry professionals, who have lived experience, and who actually know what they're talking about. You know, you couldn't find better people to give recommendations on these issues than the people who did back during the Royal Commission and the report into stolen children. Now, if that's the case, how come these recommendations haven't been implemented by the colonial government? It's because at the end of the day, they don't want to. They don't want to improve our condition. They don't want to do anything to liberate us because they benefit and profit from our exploitation and our oppression. Australia, the nation, cannot exist without blackfellas, first and foremost, being oppressed, being exploited, and having our land occupied by this military occupation, which is the Australian government. Um, but to answer the question, like, you know, how do we actually get these things implemented? You know, it's a really great question. And, you know, to be honest, um, I don't quite have the answer for that, um, especially not under the current government system that we have. But that's why the BPU has taken that approach of the government system is flawed. Um, you cannot reform it to any extent where it will actually be a good system. Instead, we just need to abolish the system and start from scratch. Yeah, but in the in the meantime, until that happens, because obviously that's got to be a gradual process, um, because the Black People's Union, it's important to for them to its position to re revolutionise, isn't it? But in the yeah. meantime, what do we do? Because you know we've got people like um, Veronica Nelson, um, Arnie Tanya. We've got all people that have died at the hands of this colonial government. What do we do until that happens? And also with the bringing of home, bringing them home report. You know, we've we've got to keep the babies at home rather than them becoming the second stolen generation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, um, yeah, it's a really great question. I mean, at the end of the day, I still do encourage people to try as best as they can to try and you know push these things forward more. Now, whether yeah. that means bringing up your local ministers and senators and hassling their office for, you know, that minister... I know what you're saying. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a hard one, though. At the end of the day, under this system, there's only so much we can win in terms of gains, and there's only so much we can do to, you know, put up barriers to protect ourselves from this colonial government and, you know, stop our children being taken and stop our people dying in custody and being locked up at such horrendous rates. It's, it's really a... We're, we're really, you know, pushed up against the wall here, for lack of a better term. But, um, there there suppose, really is some... Go on, what was that? Oh, no, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I suppose the way I look at it, um, a lot of people don't see any revolutionary potential in Australia. Now, it's very easy to fall into that trap because you've got to remember, we're surrounded by so much capitalist and colonial propaganda every day, which is just designed to absolutely destroy any sort of motivation, inspiration or spirit we have towards revolution. But Australia itself, as a federated nation, is still a very young nation. It's only, what, 122 years old, right? 
in the grand scheme of things, on a national, like on a global scale, Australia is a very young and a very juvenile nation. Now, when we have a look at some of the other nations around the world that have been around a lot longer than Australia has, nearly all of them, at one point or another, go through some sort of meaningful revolt or revolution where their people rise up and they're able to win some great advances for the working class and for the exploited and oppressed in their society. Now, it's almost as if it's a rite of passage for you know any decent nation to mature. They have to go through this revolt, this revolution. Australia hasn't had that yet. We're still a very young nation, and there's still every potential that that is in our future very close on the horizon. Um, and in terms of, you know, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that this is going to happen next year. You know, there might be every chance that I'm just out here planting seeds for trees that, you know, my grandchildren get to enjoy. Um, you know, I won't, I might not live to see the revolution or anything like that. That oh, being I said, do. yeah, well, I, I really have ideas too. But, you know, that being said, um, a lot of people might know about the October Revolution back in 1917 in Russia. Now, the December before that, in 1916, only 10 months earlier than that, Lenin, who was one of the leaders of this revolution, he himself felt like he would never in his lifetime live to see a revolution and that it was years and years and years off. 10 months later, they had their revolution and they overthrew their monarchy. So, you know, we feel today that it's so far away, but it could happen in a year. It could happen in six months. It could happen in six years. You know, it's just over the horizon for us. It's just getting to that point. Yeah. You know, Kieran, I'm hoping that we do see massive change, and I'm I'm really happy to have you on because, as I said, there's absolutely no point just having, you know, CEOs on here. We need to have a mixture of people and a mixture of viewpoints. Yeah, yeah, no, I really um, appreciate that you get me on as well. Karen, it's been amazing. It's gone so quickly. <laughs> We've spoken for nearly half an hour, which is uh, <laughs> wonderful. And um, thank you so much for coming onto the program. And I, you know, let, let's just see see how it goes, isn't it? And see see what comes out. Yeah, yeah. And look, at the end of the day, you know, whether a yes gets up or a no gets up. We're still yeah. going to continue our fight. We're still going to continue our struggle, and we're still going to keep organising towards the abolishment of the country. Absolutely. Good on you, Kieran. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. See ya. Bye. The fears are Palestinian starves, and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes for fears, and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organisations. From the traditional black and white kafia to an array of modern designs, explore the range and order online or drop by 3CR during business hours. Wear your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kafias.org.au. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S.org.au. A 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And I want to introduce a very, very special guest. And I did introduce her at the beginning. It's Jill. We spoke with, with Karen before um, from the Black People's Union. And now we're going to be speaking with Jill about the Federal Court of Australia 
who has dismissed the legal challenge seeking fair and equal access to the age pension for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello, Jill. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking me on. It's so awesome to have you, Jill. I've, <laughs> I've had to do a lot of hard work to get you to get you talking on the show. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you've been incredibly busy, haven't you? Oh, it's terrible, especially with the uh, the referendum coming up. And oh yes, and the Uruk Commission as well, because we were interviewing you about that um, yep. some weeks ago now. Yep, Uruk Commission. Um, a lot of work being done there. Yes, absolutely. Actually, we were interviewing um, somebody before you about the referendum and the voice to parliament, although he, he's wanting to do no. Okay. Um, but obviously you're yes, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we might have a bit of a chat about that um, towards the end, but there's a lot going yep. on with the referendum, isn't there, really? Oh, there is so much. And, um, you know, it's just... Uh, look... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've lived on this earth here for 67 years now. Yep. Um, and um, I'd like to see some change for our people, the first peoples of this country. Um, Absolutely. And any change better than none. Yeah, it's... We'll talk about that, because we've got... Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that there's not going to be any rush that you're able to, to chat for a little while. Do you, do you have to leave any time soon? No, all good. Oh, I'm so Since glad. I kept you waiting, I, you know, I had no problem with that. Oh, thanks, Auntie. Yeah. Okay, let's get going. Um, so, so let's start off with what land. Talking to me about what land you're from. I'm from Gundijmara country, which is down uh, western Victoria, down near Haywood, Portland, Warrnambool, um, down where the amazing um, fish traps are. That's my mob. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you about Uncle Dennis and what's happening with the age pension court case. Can you talk about that? Yes, I can. Um, look, for a long time, Vacho's always believed that, you know, we should be accessing the age care pension uh, a lot earlier than what the, the, the cut-off is for uh, the general population. Um, but it was actually Uncle Dennis that actually took it to the federal courts. And um, there was a lot of Aboriginal organisations behind um, Uncle Dennis and, and his fight for... Um, well, I, I say fight for justice, um, to lower the age for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to access the aged care pension. Because we know, don't we, that there is a life expectancy gap between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people in this country. Um, and since I've been around, we've been trying to close that gap, but we haven't been successful uh, yet. And the early signs of this iteration of Close the Gap doesn't look promising either. No. So our mob are dying well before we can access the aged care pension. That's exactly right. Um, yeah. So despite recognising the ongoing gap life expectancy, yep. the court didn't accept that Australia's racial discrimination laws should give the Aboriginal people um, earlier access to the age pension. 
And it came on the same day as the Closing the Gap annual data compilation report. That's exactly right. How ironic. <laughs> um, I know. You, you, you really got to kick yourself, don't you? You know, pinch yourself to see whether you live in la-la land. Exactly. Um, yeah, but, yeah, no, it is disappointing, uh, very disappointing that we didn't win the hike that case. Um, and, but, you know, um, Dennis and his amazing leadership tried, uh, but we didn't get there. Were you at the court case? No, no, but I followed it very closely. The Human Rights Commission, um, we provided that show along with VALS and many other Aboriginal yep. organisations provided a lot of support for it. Um, VALS took the lead on this and we just come in behind VALS um, to support it and we always have. I mean, it's ironic, you know, we're fighting hard to lower the age for our mob to access pensions and yet we're fighting hard to increase the age of criminal responsibility. That's right. Uh, but anyways... It's interesting, you know, I think that history, First Nations history and what happened to mob back then in the missions is still is still active today and there are oh. still people dying now. Oh, of course there are. Otherwise we wouldn't have um, a signed agreement by all governments on this, on, in this country to close that gap. We still have a gap. Uh, and that's all because of colonisation. Um, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a nice come in, shake a hand and um, um, bob your uncle. It was very brutal. Um, and it did a lot of damage to our communities and our families. Um, uh, and we're still seeing a lot of that damage today, how it manifests, whether it be, um, you know, chronic illness. Our communities are plagued with chronic illness. And not just one chronic illness, it's usually multiple chronic illnesses. Um, you know, us overrepresented in the justice system. And the list goes on, you know. I don't want to sit here and quote to our mob. Um, we know what our problems are. You know, we're, we've got a lot of issues with drug and alcohol in our communities. Um, and um, only we can solve them, um, but we need, we need the right... What's the word? The right environment and the right policies and the right structures to do that. You know, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about some of the people that I've interviewed on this show and they've all passed away. Like, for example, Uncle Jack Charles recently passed away, didn't he? Yes. And then we had um, we had the beautiful Viv, Vivian, who, Viv, yes. who was... Um, a programmer here at 3CR who died young. Yes. And then from Queensland, I used to interview Uncle Sam Watson. You, you would have heard of him? Yes. Beautiful, beautiful, yes. incredible man. And I used to interview him, and he's passed. And then Uncle Ray Jackson, I was interviewing him on a weekly basis just about, and he's passed. Yes. So I've been going through a lot of grief about that. And yeah. about all these people dying all nearly all at the same time and and realizing that all our elders are dying, and I'm not trying to you know proclaim doom, gloom and doom here, but no, it's true, no. isn't it, Jill? It is true it is so very true um, you know 
I mean, here in Victoria, our flags are always flying at half mast. Um, you know, um, I didn't even know who was telling me. Someone was telling me today um, that an Aboriginal man passed away and he was only 56. Huh? Uh, where is that? That's that. That was somewhere. I know it's in Victoria. I just can't oh. remember. Is that many? Yeah. Um, Gunai Kurnai, you know, over the last few months, they've had many deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're people, you know, not old. Uh, so how do we... Anyways. I know. It yeah, is really it, hard. It, it is hard. And it gets you down, by the way. Yep. It really does. It gets me down. I get a little bit depressed about it. And me too. Yeah, and here we are just fighting to try and have a voice for crying out loud Um, you know and uh, I just think it's quite extraordinary that uh, I had in the office and that's why I was a bit late for my uh, uh, interview at four Sure, I had in the office today um, the the shadow minister what was his name his name was Julian Lisa MP Uh who's part of the coalition he resigned (laughs) from the front bench uh, to move to the back bench so he can advocate for a voice department. Oh. Yes. He was in my office just before. And, um, you know, what an amazing man, non-Aboriginal man, who's on the, who was on the front bench of the Liberal Party, oh. um, opposed the No campaign. So he had to move to the back bench so he can oppose it. Wow. Um, um, anyways, I won't go on about that. No, no, but this is a good thing that you that you yeah. mentioned because I, I would like to ha- have a bit of a chat about the referendum because it is a very yeah. current topic and there, there is quite a lot of bad radio about that anyway. Yes, I know, <laughs> I know. But, uh, but before we do that, uh, how, how yeah. is Uncle Dennis bearing up with all this now? Um, can I say, I, I don't know, I can't, I haven't spoken to... Sure, uh, but Dennis. I imagine, yeah. Yeah. But I can imagine it would be, I don't know, it'd be like it'd be like a punch in the face, wouldn't it, really? It would. Yes, it'd be so disappointing because you know we've got a life expectancy gap. We know there's a gap. We know uh, the majority of us. There are some of our mob who do live, like my mum, who's lived a... Um, who actually this Saturday and is still with us, and still got all her faculty, just a little bit crustier. Um, yep. She turns 97. Absolutely. Sorry about that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, she she has defied all the odds. But the majority of our mob haven't. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, and so they're the mob that we've got to, um, you know, we've got to close that gap. And at the moment, it's not working. And I believe it's not working because we don't have any power or any standing. Well, that's right. And, and in fact, you know, the, the Closing the Gap annual data compilation report found that Australia is still not on track to meet the target of equal life expectancy by 2031. And that's when the court decision happened as well. Exactly right. Isn't that... Um, that's a real... That's a real slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I think we need a powerful. I keep coming back, and I don't want to keep coming back to it. Um, but we do. We do. We need to have. I mean, part of Vacho's strategic plan 
Um, and this is well before the referendum was even talked about, yep. right? This is part of our plan, um, uh, our strategic plan, is to build our strong voice. Tell because me about Vacho. Vacho, yeah, oh. OK. Well, Vacho, we're a peak body for Aboriginal health and wellbeing in Victoria. We're, uh, we, were, we became Vacho back in 1996. Um, I started at Vacho in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, no. Um, but, you know, we're a peak body for Aboriginal health and wellbeing, so we need to be have that powerful voice as ourselves. We need government to listen to us and to take us serious, not just as lip service. Well, that's right. Um, and so you've got to work on how do we build our reputation, how do we build our uh, our voice as a very strong, powerful, and a voice that knows what they're talking about. That's what we've got to do. Because otherwise no one will listen to you. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, the current pen pension age is 67 years. Yes. That certainly doesn't account for the differences in life expectancy and health incomes for Aboriginal outcomes for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, does it? No, d definitely not. So um, um, uh, it's my understanding that what Dem and his legal team were asking for was to lower the age to 50. Yeah. For older Aboriginal people. That's silly. Yeah. You know, and. Aboriginal people, older and elders, you know, they play a vital role in our communities. That's right. Um, and the least we can do is to ensure, one, that they live a longer life so that life expectancy gap does need to close. But in the meantime, they should be able to access uh, an aged care pension um, that sees them um, at least live some comfort in their life. Exactly. Yeah. Tell us about... Talk to me about the referendum. T tell us about the voice, what what your position is or what the position is okay. of Vacho. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Vacho's position is we support uh, a yes vote. We support having uh, a voice to Parliament. Yep. Um, my, my opinion, my personal opinion as Jill Gallagher, as a Gundich male woman... I 150% support a voice to Parliament. Uh, at the moment, we've got nothing, haven't we? <laughs> what have we got? Yeah. Um, we've got a... And no disrespect to the Coalition of Peaks, because yeah. they're all service providers that provide services to Aboriginal community. So the Coalition is not our voice. It's, um, uh, it's, to, it's a voice to help close that life expectancy gap. But if we had a voice that's enshrined in the Constitution, um, that alone gives us, as, as the first peoples of this country, proper standing in our own countries. You know, I mean, um, when colonisation or invasion, which are, whichever language you want to use, first started here on this continent, um, there was some judge over in London that declared this continent terra nullius. That means that no human beings lived here, right? Oh. Uh, and that gave um, the colonisers open slather to go and say, well, you know, we don't care if we kill the black fellas or, or round them up and put on a mission because um, back home um, they all believe it wasn't occupied. Oh. Um, 
So when the native... So jumping ahead now, uh, 250 years or 230 years, when native title was first proclaimed, um, there was some recognition going to be in that, that we we are the first peoples, and it wasn't terra nullius because the High Court's overturned the concept of terra nullius. So that was a good start. But nothing's ever happened since then. So, you know, overturning the concept of terra nullius uh, di- um, didn't mean much to us, really. What did it achieve? But if we can manage to get this powerful voice, even though our mob are saying it's only an advisory committee, who cares? From little things, big things grow. Do you think? And at the moment, we've got no standing in this country as the First Peoples. That's true. Yeah, so I'm all for. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, it's it's good. That, I mean, it is better than nothing. Yeah. But there but the are so thing... many, you know, Jill, I've spoken to quite a few First Nations people and, and yeah. some people have yet, want, want yes, but some people are so angry mm-hmm. and disillusioned with the government. Yes, oh, look, can I say, and I don't blame them, by the yeah. way, I really don't, but what's the alternative? Can someone tell us, if the voice is not it, what's the alternative? Well, they're saying, we, some, some mob are saying treaty. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I 100% support the treaty. Uh, but you know what? To get treaty, you need a voice. Yeah. What did we do in Victoria? In Victoria, I think there's there's something happening with treaty at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, but when when this government put treaty on the table proper and not yeah. just dismissed it back in 2015, mm-hmm. the rest of the Victorian Aboriginal community says, well, okay, well now that we have a government that's willing to explore it, who do they talk to? Okay, you need a mechanism, and that's what my role was too, was to design the Victorian voice. Yeah. And that's the first People's Assembly of Victoria. We've just had our second election. Okay. Yep. Uh, we elect them. We elect them. No one else. No non-Aboriginal people get involved in our elections here in of Victoria. Of course. So we elect our voice, then negotiate and work out, well, how is treaty-making going to happen in the state? And we're nearly there. I hope so. I hope that something good can come out of it because... I think what's happening is that you've got you've got your Peter Dutton and you've got Pauline Hanson, you've got all those other politicians that you know that are saying no as well. Yeah, you've got Peter Dutton, you've got um, Jacinda Price, you've got Lydia Thorpe. None of them support a voice, and none of them support treaty. Well, they never did. It's really difficult because then then you've I mean even when I've spoken to other people about this, they say, oh yes, you know. Um, the, 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 there's no consult with um, with other clans. There will be. There will be the the, the hook. The concept, The referendum is not designing this voice. The referendum is just to put the hook in the constitution to make sure it happens. The biggest task coming up is if we're successful with this referendum. The biggest task then is, okay, so how do we design it? 
Aboriginal people from across this continent need to have an input in how it's designed. I'm so glad that we've been able to get a, you know, a whole lot of viewpoints today. It's, yeah. it's been really refreshing because it's always good to have first, na- you know, lots of different First Nations people's viewpoints. Of course it is, and not and all of us are going to agree either. No, no. Look, and if it, you know, and it's not even just about that. I think everybody is in agreement that there needs to be change. Yes. And you know, Lydia Thorpe did give a an a really interesting speech um, at the press the press conference. No, sorry, oh, the, the press yeah, club. The press club. It's an yes. excellent speech, Jill. Ah, yeah. You might want to look at that have a good listen to that because she talked yeah. quite a lot about Aboriginal deaths in custody, the Bringing Them Home report, and she talked yep. about treaty. Yep. And it it really is a, an awesome speech. Um, but, Jill, it's it's been really wonderful having you on the show. I, I was really... I was so happy also to see that you were involved with the webinar about unlocking um, prisons in, in regards to Veronica... Yes. Prison health care, sorry. Yep, yep. And you've done some really amazing work. Well, yes. I mean, um, we spent two years reviewing corrections. Um, really? And that report's now finished, and that report's now sitting with the Victorian government. So um, it's now up to us as the people to make sure that um, the government implement the recommendations in that report. Which report was that, sorry? It's the um, report that was commissioned by the Victorian government to look at reviewing corrections here in Victoria. Oh, you know what? That report, we're all going to be here all night talking about that. Yes, I know. I know. It's a big (laughs) report, eh? (laughs) I mean, raising the age, uh, looking at, you know, getting rid of of hanging points in prisons. Isn't that all part of it? Well, I think it's more than more than that too. By the way, it's about tra- changing the culture of correctional services. Yes, indeed. You know, a lot of our people, as we all know, are in prison mainly for crimes of poverty. Yes. And in Victoria, there's a there's a bill at the moment to reform bail laws. Yes. Uh, you know what happened to our sister girl Veronica. Uh, she should never have died in prison. She should never have died. And, um, um, you know, if she had been given bail, she would have got medical help. But she was refused bail. So the bail reform, I think, is a welcome um, um, thing when it gets implemented. It really is. And and the, the inquest was quite harrowing, wasn't it? It was the hardest thing I've ever had to um, watch and also um, go in there into the court sometimes and listen. Um, It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. It's played on my mind ever since. How so? Well, I mean, you've got a young Aboriginal woman who was arrested for suspected shoplifting. Yep. And she died in agony calling out for her dead dad to help her. She died. No one listened to her. No one opened up her door to see if she was okay. The screws just told her to shut up. Yeah. It's all there for, for, the, for the public to see. It's all on video. It's all on audio. It's all there. 
Mm. And no one gave a fuck about it. Sorry. Oops. No, that's did okay. You, did you no, beat me? Yeah. It's true, though. No. Yeah, it's, no one gave... That's what's played on my mind. And I know there's many others, I know that. Yeah. But I haven't seen all the others. I've just witnessed what happened to Veronica. I have to be honest with you. I There's been a loss, but this played on my mind a lot too. Yeah, yes, I agree. It's, and I'm so sorry for swearing. I just get... No, no, no. Yeah. I, actually, sometimes it's very powerful to swear. I, I know, but I've got to remember I'm on radio. I'm not just having a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's okay. Don't worry. Yes. You, it, you know what? This this is a, a good thing because I must have made you feel comfortable. Oh, you did. You did. I was just, just having this great <laughs> conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'd love to meet up with you sometime. Yeah, love to. Love to. Yeah. All right. Now, we're okay. just nearing the end of our show. We've We've done some... We've talked about a lot. It's been productive. Are there any final comments you wanted to make before we finish? Uh, look, no. Um, I, I just want to. Uh, I just want to say, send out a message to uh, Uncle Dennis. Um, you're still a you're still a leader, mate. Even though we didn't win, um, you've got the mob behind you, and well done for giving it a go. I'd love. Maybe he'd like to come onto the show sometime. I wonder if I can find him through the human that rights. That would be good. The Human Rights Law Centre might have a contact, yes. perhaps. Yes. Because they, they, would have. they yeah. put out an excellent media release about it. Yeah, Jules, awesome. thank you so much for coming onto the program. It's been great having you. Uh, Any time. Oh, that'd be awesome. No worries. Thanks a lot. Take care of yourself. Take care. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Ross House has community meeting rooms available for hire at subsidised rates. Perfect for small meetings, student study groups, Zoom conferencing and seminars. Facilities include free Wi-Fi, display screens for presentations, projector and sound system and a Zoom conferencing system. HEPA filter units have been placed in every meeting room. You can book and pay via their website, rosshouse.org.au or contact reception during office hours on 9650-1599. Ross House is a 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time Show, and this is Marissa. And it's approximately 4.54, and we're nearing the end of our show. Thank you so much to First Nations warriors Kieran and Jill for coming onto the show. We've talked about a lot, and it's always fantastic to have Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people coming in into a safe environment on the Doing Time Show to talk about what concerns them. And I'm going to be out of here pretty soon. And stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time Show. I'll be back next week as usual. And we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella by the Rumpy Band. Thanks a lot and stay safe. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. I'm true.